parenting is work, like a lot of work, and it can be easy to feel like nobody understands. Well, I am here to tell you, as a mom of four, including infant twins, <laughs> that at the end of the day, we're all just figuring it out as we go. You are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd, and this is, no, seriously, how do I do this? If someone were to go up to you and be like, hey, your mom, your dad, you, you've got this whole thing down. What is one lesson that you've taken away from this experience that you could share with the rest of the class? What would you say? Honestly, for me, I think I've learned on this parenting journey just how important and how difficult it is to be in community. I mean, when do you have the time, right? But connecting with other people on that journey with you that are experiencing what you're experiencing, that have the same questions, that are just as overwhelmed as you are, it's invaluable. And so on today's episode, I love this. I had a chance to go to Nashville recently and sit down with Joy Summers. She is on Way FM out there. She's a radio personality and she is amazing. She is honest. She is open. She's vulnerable. And she's just as confused as the rest of us. <laughs> she owns that. So we're going to cover everything from screen time to depression. If you've ever felt like you are alone on this journey, I'll just keep listening, please. I cannot wait to introduce you to Joy, mother of little Judah. So how old, how old is he now? He is, I should know. <laughs> mom brain freeze i'm like he's he'll be 15 months this oh okay well you're still week. on the months and i used to hate when people said months girl i used he to be like i will 48 never 48 months old you're like i will never say i was like i'll never say months because i hate when people would be like my child is 32 months and i'd be like oh my gosh what's so your math? child's almost three right but it. then you do the math i'm just like why can't you just say so he's just over one um and he's in a really sweet stage where he's obsessed with mom and that was not always the case we mm. had a real tough start he did not bond for a long time and i was oh, like gosh. i think he hates me and he loved my husband mm. of course mm. and i was like uh what am i doing wrong but it was just we had a rough start but now he's obsessed with me and doesn't care for my husband and i love that all day girl <laughs> <laughs> all day i mean that is hard and this is your first mm -hmm. so it's and you're only so it's like okay Aren't they supposed to love mom? I mean, your expectations say, are probably jacked. My husband laughed because I would always say kids are supposed to love their mom the most. And it was <laughs> partially because we just had a lot of feeding issues in the beginning. And because I couldn't nurse him, I would be pumping while my husband fed him just mm -hmm. so that we could survive. Because, you know, you got to feed every two hours and whatnot. So because I wasn't getting that time with him and my husband was feeding him, he was like, dad's awesome. I don't really see the point of mom. And she cries a lot. <laughs> Because <laughs> I did. <laughs> and so he was just not into me. But now that he's older, I can show him that I'm fun. And yeah. I know that at some point, you need to tell me this. When do you stop wanting your kids to think you're the coolest? Because you can't. You have to start disciplining. I mean, I almost bought a shirt yesterday while I'm visiting Nashville that says, you know, I'm not just a mom. I'm the cool mom, right? <laughs> like from, from Mean Girls. I, I want that, yes. Right. But I mean, I think what's the best place to arrive because I mean my kids are young so I still really care about them thinking mm -hmm. I'm cool the best place to arrive is when you can sit down and issue the discipline in like a rational healthy nice totally functional way it doesn't always happen well mm -hmm. and they think you're cool through it like when they can look up to you even Ooh, through the discipline I want that and be like I respect this and 
I mean, I don't know that that's always going to be the case or ever the case because my kids are six, four and one and one. So like, I actually, you know, like I said, I'm probably not the person to ask, but my kids are still all obsessed with me, which is great. But <laughs> it sounds like the dream, but it's hard with the twins yes. because you're talking about, you know, there was like bonding issues for me. Ugh, with both with one. And it's coming from me though, oh. because you, when you have two, and I can't just cuddle them both all mm-hmm. the time. You feel like you're not being fair. And so I sometimes find myself, I really want to cuddle you, but then I need to find time to cuddle your sister. And I don't have time for that. And both. I can't cut. So I'm not going to do it all because it's got to be fair. I'm not going to touch either one of you because then I, I mean, okay. And that both. sounds really terrible. Y'all I touch my kids. I hug my kids. I She's love never my kids. touched a one. <laughs> Still navigating there. But that's so challenging because I really do. I look up to anyone who's ever had twins because, uh, as we do with even one, your first one, like how on earth am I going to do this? But we do like, you've never done anything like that before. You, you already, what was it like after doing two separately to then do two at the same time? Well, okay. So our first two are 20 months apart. Again, I should probably know that too. Um, so in some ways they overlapped, like we had two kids in diapers. Mm. Now people think I have two sets of twins, right? Cause they wow. just, they're so close. And my middle child is so freakishly tall <laughs> and she just looks like a twin. Um, so in some ways I had that now, interestingly, because the Lord knows what we need, yeah. my little grand finale babies together are easier than either of the ones on their own. Now, and I say that not to give people false expectations, (laughs) but they are so chill. I mean, honestly, and I found with my situation that it was easier for me to have two children than it was for me to have one. Like when my second child came along, it got to a point where look, you can put them down together. They will entertain each and other play. and you can go cook dinner. You don't always have to have that burden One on of, your ankle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and then you feel bad. Oh, they look so lonely. Like they're not, they've got this person. And so when they get to the point where you can look away for a second and they're not going to instantly die, then, <laughs> then you can kind of just leave them. That's my favorite stage, by the way, is when you reach that point. To me, it was like six months. I was like, I'm not having fun. And at six months, I was like, maybe you'll live and so will I. And then I was like, okay, we're good. By, by child number four. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very different. I remember having to pull the little bouncer into the bathroom if I wanted to shower, because what if they stop breathing yeah. while I'm shampooing my hair? So now yeah. I'm shampooing my hair and I'm trying to like, I just check on them and now we got yes. shampoo in my eyeballs yes. and I'm screaming and now they're screaming. Oh, so like, yeah. I don't understand. Well, we're, I guess we're screaming now. <laughs> and so everyone's screaming. My husband comes in. I he's like, that my was family's the normal dying. Way I'm to screaming. Do it. <laughs> it's just so much screaming. No, but now it's like, y'all babies bounce. Oh. I said that once on air and my boss runs in. He's like, maybe don't ever say that again. <laughs> and you should have said, you obviously don't have children. But I think or I worded it worse. True. I'm like, you know, I'm like, there are things that you expect that you're going to be afraid of as a mom. And I'm talking about, you know, like dropping your baby. Yeah. But then I said, you do that a few times. You realize babies. Oh, no. Well, so that was a they're like, different. why should keep throwing her kids on the ground? <laughs> she don't touch them. <laughs> to be fair, to my knowledge, I could have repressed it, but I don't yes. think I've ever actually actively dropped my child. I know that you're in charge of this interview, but can we talk about screen time for a hot second? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need advice. So my kid was sick last week, mm-hmm. all week long, super sick. So I said no rules. 
is that a good idea? I said, passy all day, TV all day. Cause he was just super sick. Mm -hmm. But now it's really kicking me in the behind because he's had horrible behavioral issues all week. And we've noticed he like grabs the remote and he wants to watch TV all the time. So we did like a TV fast this week, trying to see, I think mm -hmm. his behavior's improving a little, but it could also be just that he's feeling better. Mm -hmm. So can I ask your relationship with screen time with your kids? Should I, <laughs> should I have no screen time ever? I don't know. He loves Coco Melon. <laughs> I laugh opened a can of worms. Because when I had my first daughter, I was like, Oh, we're going to be no screen time for the first two years of her life because that's what the experts say is best. And it probably is. Okay. I'm sure. But then at some point, real life happens and you need to sit in there for a minute. Oh my gosh. So no. So we tried with our first harder to put it off and it wasn't perfect. <laughs> it wasn't great. Like when I was nursing, there was screen time all the time. I'm like, they don't even know what's happening. Right. It's for you. And then, um, but we did try when she was young. And then at some point, mama needs to go to the bathroom yeah. or mama needs to do something. By the time my second daughter came around and my first one is almost two. And so she has had a little bit of TV mm -hmm. and oh, gosh, poor Arwen. She's had it like since the beginning, right? Just being <laughs> exposed to it because her yeah. sister is watching TV. And then with the twins, they are almost exactly a year old. And last week it was the first time Adrian was gone in the military. The, oh. the girls were, I don't know, doing something. They were cleaning their room or supposed to be cleaning their room. They were not cleaning their room. <laughs> and I needed to go cook something. And my kids were being super clingy. That's when you need and to And I'm turn just it on. like, Lord, forgive me. And I put the TV on for the babies in order to just survive. Yeah. And that's just real life. And look, it's not going to yeah. kill him. Okay. That makes me feel better because I, he loves it. He loves it so much that he'll yeah. just stop. That's the only way I can cook anything. No. And I think, I think it's okay. Okay. You do what you got to do to survive. It is more important that he eat than him not watch yeah. TV. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's that's what I need, girl, because I was starting to wonder if we were ever going to get to watch TV again, and I need the Today Show. I need Savannah and Hoda to start my day, and I miss them. Well, Aurelia, she is a bit addicted, my six-year-old, but I think that's also just being a kid. And so she comes into my bedroom in the morning, and we don't even let them watch that much TV, probably more than we should. But she goes, she went from... Hey mom, good morning. Can I watch a little something? That was her phrase. Can I watch a little something? And now that she's learning how to read, she softens it and she goes, Hey mom, good morning. Can I double you? And I'm can supposed to double you. Can I, can I double? And I'm like, double you. What do you mean? Double you. Can I, you know, double you. And she's like trying to make me sound it. I'm like, watch a little something. And she's like, she was trying to spell it out to soften uh, the blow. Yikes. And so now she's like, can I, W. Oh, and she'll like whisper it. So she knows. She knows. I'm scared for those days. Yeah, you girl. should you should be warned. But I mean, every journey, every stage is hard, right? Like you're at that point where your kids are starting to watch TV. Now they're obsessed with watching TV. And how do I do this? And how should I what what is the right answer? What's the expectation? And we hold ourselves to that. And then we feel guilty. And the world holds you to that. I mean, if you live your life at all on social media or just for others, everybody tells you how you should and shouldn't do it. So I mentioned this online and I had, I don't know, 50 women. Some be like, oh, girl, let them watch TV. And other ones be like, you should never let them watch You're TV. It literally um, causes these whatever chemicals Ugh, to release in please. their brain. And I wanted to be like, well, then I wonder how, what I would be like without TV. Like, unless you are going to move to the woods and live off grid. Like, this is just yeah. the world we're living in. And as hard as we tried, then all of a sudden, virtual school, they're handing my kid a tablet. Yeah. And being like, please spend all day on this screen. You don't even have an option anymore. No. Yeah, but I mean, girl. but it doesn't change the fact that we compare. 
and we feel guilty because there's always the shoulds out there and we hold ourselves to those. And I mean, in every stage, not only now while our kids are watching TV, but you know, now that our kids are going to school, now that our kids are learning to struggle with insecurity later, when they start to date boys later, when they start to drive later, when they start to make their own decisions and screw up, we hold that against ourselves. Mm -hmm. But, but what I really appreciate joy (laughs) is that very early on you opened up about the struggles and the shoulds that you were, were going through because you had postpartum depression. And that is something so many people struggle with. I had no idea, but we just don't talk about it enough. I found out it was one in five women have postpartum depression or anxiety and nobody wants to tell anyone because it, then it seems like you are not doing it right or that Mm -hmm. you're in such a fragile emotional state that you don't want anyone to say something that could trigger you into a worse emotional state. And there's already so much like guilt and mom shame and all this stuff in those first few months when you're not doing well that I don't think anybody wants to talk about it. And then once you're through it, you don't even really want to like look back. You're like, well, things are better now and I don't need to deal with it. So I felt... I can't even explain it as anything summer other than, than God was like, I, I need you to talk about it now. And I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) Don't want to, I'm barely making it, but I have started to dislike when people, especially people of faith go through really difficult trials and then they say nothing and they do it privately, which is okay. That's what you need to do. But then when it's completely over and they feel like they're over it, air quotes for you, since you're not seeing me and they're over it. They're like, by the way, you didn't know, but I had terrible depression three years ago and God's brought me through it and everything's great. And I have hope again, but yeah, it was a tough season back then. I think that's unfair to people to that. Nobody in the middle of a hard season is going, Hey, I'm having a hard time right now. I just think we need to do that more often. And so because that annoyed me and I felt like someone needed to do it, God was like, it's you. Mm. Isn't that how he works? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want it to be me. And so I brought it to my boss and like, we have a digital team at way FM and I just like mentioned it and they were like, okay, okay. And it took a couple of months to get off the ground, which I think was God. Cause I was not really probably ready to talk about it when I first brought it up. And then through those couple of months, I was like a, a little bit enough in a healthier place to like articulate mm-hmm. and they just helped me communicate it. They just let me sit in my house and play with my son and tell my story. And then they all edited it. And honestly, Summer, when um, we were about to release the video of me talking about postpartum depression, I almost pulled it Mm. because in the final edit at the very beginning, I said something that could lead people to believe that I was suicidal, which there's nothing wrong with being suicidal. Many people have been. And, but I did not want to become the face and spokesperson of someone that I wasn't. I didn't Mm -hmm. want there to be misunderstanding in my story. So I showed it to like a friend before it went out and she like turned to me when it was over and was so concerned for me. Like I had no idea I should have been there for you. And I was like, this is not the reaction that I was hoping. So I wanted it to be accurate to what I had experienced. So I kind of, you know, fought over it with my creative team. And of course they wanted to meet my needs, but they were like, but this is, you said this, and this is an important thread through it. And I said, but I just feel like it's, it's misleading a little here and there. So they made the changes I wanted. And then we sent it out into the world, but it was so scary, girl. It was mm. so scary. I had so much anxiety about releasing it because I was afraid that people in my life or my family, people I hadn't maybe even talked to enough about it, were going to call and 
I don't know, be mad that I didn't tell them how bad it was or tell me those shoulds or should nots or that somebody would hurt me when I was already in a vulnerable place. But I still felt like it needed to be done. I mean, but it is brave. Like, however you come at it, even if you don't struggle with postpartum, I mean, being a mom and owning your journey is brave and hard. I never felt more vulnerable in my life than when I became a mom. And how do you not compare yourself to others Mm -hmm. when you are entrusted with this life that you might screw up, or Mm -hmm. at least you feel that way. But then you put on top of that chemical imbalances in your brain that are contributing to depression and anxiety. So like this time around for me. Yeah. Have you ever experienced this? I didn't. Okay. But this time I had the twins and it, I was okay at first. And then something happened external to the twins, uh, in my life a few months in that was pretty traumatic. And I had to admit that I wasn't okay. Mm. And it was hard because I love and live with and I'm married to a man who, um, doesn't struggle in that way. Mm -hmm. And it's something I on and off, even outside of pregnancies have, have struggled with depression my whole life. And I hadn't seen it in a while. And now here's, I have these cute little babies at home. We have a great life. They're super easy. My husband's wonderful. Everything is good. Right. And I just became enveloped by this deep sadness and it, it, I couldn't point to anything. Usually my depression at least yeah. was triggered by something. Yeah, an event or something, something specific. Yeah. But after, I mean, there was there was an event, yeah. but it wasn't directly contributing to this, but it just made me more aware. I was looking at myself a little bit closer and I, I just felt sad and heavy and unmotivated and tired and antsy and anxious and all this stuff. And it wasn't going away. And in my journey, my tendency is to brush off those things as unworthy. Like what right do I have to be sad? I have it all so good. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. And so I decided, well, I'm going to call my doctor because if this is postpartum, they always say they want to know. Yeah. And so I call them. I'm like, Hey, so everything's fine. And I just like (laughs) start talking to them. It's fine. I just, it's good. I mean, seriously, so good. our support system is strong, but I just feel this sadness every day yeah. and I can't do anything. And they were so worried to like, get in here immediately. <laughs> That's and I'm the like, thing is you don't want people to overreact. I know, but, like, don't but you don't anything. understand. Like I'm okay. <laughs> you know, ugly, like snot sucking. I'm like, I know I don't sound okay, but I'm fine. Like get in here right now. And so I went on medication. <laughs> oh my God. And I still am on the medication. Yeah, me too, girl. And it's like, you know, when we don't own that journey, and here's the thing, mm-hmm. I, 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 say, I don't even know if it was postpartum. They don't know because it actually yeah. wasn't until six months later. And like, eh, this is it a little be. late. You onset. just don't know. They don't know. Mm-hmm. But the fact is I needed help. Mm-hmm. I wasn't okay. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if we don't own it in the midst of the struggle mm-hmm. and we hide, and I think there's extra pressure as women in the church that there is still a lot of stigma around oh, mental yeah. illness. That's why I also felt like I needed to say something. And I appreciate <laughs> like, that I'm just about tired you. of it, girl. I'm tired of it. Like, and and even I, I have a wonderful family. I'm from a pastor's home, but my sweet dad, when I first started struggling, was kind of like, "Why can't why can't you and God kind of work this yeah. out?" And it's it's not from any 
angry place. It's from a very loving place, but it's just a lack of understanding because it wasn't talked about when we were growing up. And, and I'm grateful it's being talked about, but there's still an idea of we are to be joy-filled and hopeful and peaceful. And we have the ability of all these things. So we shouldn't struggle, which then if you believe those lies that can put you even further in the dark and separate you even more from the help that could actually get you to a good place. Because yes, I've struggled with anxiety and depression outside of, um, the crazy hormones that happen when you become a mother, but those can be a catalyst for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to a professional, she said like two years after having a child anywhere in those two years, you can be hit with some of this stuff. And I just had no idea. And it takes talking to somebody else because things were the best way I can explain it is like that. It was just all like mumbo jumbo in my brain. Everything was like, just like spaghetti. I couldn't, you're so tired. I couldn't Mm -hmm. figure out if a thought was like, right or normal or not. I was crying so much girl, but you cry sometimes because you're happy, right? (laughs) So then you're like, well, that's fine. So I started talking to my husband. He was one of the ones who kind of raised a red flag and eventually raised enough of a red flag to be like, you have to go get some help that you're saying these things to me. And then I went into a counselor's office, but thank God I already had a counselor or I don't know what I would have done if I'd never gone. Cause that's such a hard step for anyone to take. And then I was at her office this morning, right before I came to be with you, girl. But I (laughs) stepped in there already having a relationship with her. And she said, well, like, let's look at the different, the different aspects of postpartum depression. Cause I was like, I don't think I have that. I'm just like having a hard time. And then she said, do you cry a lot? And I was like, well, only like five or six times a day. (laughs) I'm serious. Summer. I said it so normal. And then she, she got these like really big eyes and that it was like a light bulb went off and I just went, Oh my gosh. Is that a lot? That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. And I was like, I'm, I'm crying. Again. <laughs> and then I cried about how much I cried. I mean, I was like, this is, this is a problem. I'm I, just I didn't think it was a lot. I was like, sometimes it's because he's so cute and it's happy. And she's like, don't care. That's a lot. <laughs> so girl, you just sometimes need an outside voice. But when you stay quiet or you stay in your own head thinking, I'm fine. I'm going to work through this. I'm going to come through. When you don't say anything, then nobody else can raise a red flag or look you in the eyes and be like, five to six times a day is a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. to me, it was totally normal at the time. And it was not, I needed some help. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't always have to relate to your circumstance. I mean, that's the nature of depression, Mm -hmm. right? And so you have like things that make you sad and you might not struggle with depression, Mm -hmm. but then there are things that don't make you sad that make you sad. Like you, you feel this oppression. And when you feel that a lot, or it's something that is keeping you from living your life, please definitely it's worth getting help for. Mm -hmm. And I think as parents, we just feel so guilty. We're like, shouldn't I be joyful? Look how blessed I am. How many people out there wish they could have a baby and I'm Mm -hmm. sitting here crying about it. That's exactly what you think is that so many women don't have the blessing infertility is being talked about a lot more. Thank God it needs to be. But then just like you said, girl, the idea that I was actually able to have a child that one of the lies that I really struggled with it coming out with my story of postpartum depression was what right do I have to complain about anything when I have a baby? Mm -hmm. There are women who would give anything to be in my shoes. So I don't Mm want to say I'm having the hardest, toughest time of my life when that could trigger someone else's sadness. I didn't want to do that, but I realized that my story's valid, just like your story is valid, just like someone who's not able to have a child, their story's valid. And you just got to like give someone a, a heads up trigger warning that it could be, it could be tough if this is what they're dealing with, but it doesn't mean it can't be shared. I think it still should be. It needs to be because there's other people sitting there feeling like, what right do I have? Yeah. And they just, we all feel 
like we're struggling alone and it is mm-hmm. a lie from the pit of hell and yeah. it is a very effective one. Mm-hmm. And as moms, I feel like as much as I talk about it, Oh, show, don't feel that way. Don't, don't feel guilty about things. Uh, in January, on January 1st, 2021, I put out an episode about mom guilt and shame and it was just me and I was talking and I was getting on my, you know, soapbox. And then after that, boom, struggled harder than I ever had in my life. Really? And it's like, I can say the right things and it doesn't mean that I I'm doing it all right. Mm -hmm. And I think other people hearing that I'm not doing it all right. It makes them realize it's okay if I'm not doing it all right too. And, and you and won't. Alone. I interviewed somebody. Oh, it was Scarlett Hill to She wrote a book about fear a while ago. And she said something that I've just like carried with me because I'm so new at this, that when you don't get it right, because you won't, that that's mm-hmm. actually the perfect opportunity for us to see our need for Jesus and to like, let the gospel be preached to us to be like, oh my goodness, I'm, I want to be perfect girl. I don't know about you. I'm such a perfectionist. It's like ingrained in every fiber of my being. And I fight it all the time, but I want to be a perfect mom. And then I have to remind myself it's okay that I'm not, and I'm not supposed to be because Jesus will fill in the gaps. But then also I hope as my child gets older, that it's an opportunity to preach the gospel to my son, to be like, mommy got it wrong. And mommy needs to ask for your forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And we also, Mm -hmm. that's why Jesus came because none of us get it right. We need to ask him for forgiveness and to just bring Jesus into our homes when there's, because if we got it all right, we wouldn't need him in there, but dang girl, I need him every day. Can I say dang on your podcast? You can say (laughs) so much dang. All the day. (laughs) And if I can just add to something you said, it's hard to tell sometimes. Someone might be listening and be like, am am I dealing with depression? Am I not? I feel sad. But I think for me, I noticed when I couldn't rebound from the sadness, like sad things are going to happen. And we're in a season right now with everything going on. I think everybody feels heavy. Everybody feels more anxious than you probably ever have. But to know if it's a problem, like see when something tough triggers a sad moment or you see something really tough, are you able to rebound in what you feel to be a normal amount of time? Or are you staying down for days, weeks, a month? That's just something to take into consideration. Mm -hmm. Cause for me, I kept thinking, is it a season or do I need to get some help? But when I didn't rebound and just kind of stayed there, that's when I knew I got to do something. Same. Because I mean, there would be times even I haven't struggled with depression as much as I did before I knew the Lord, Mm. um, there was just holes that I didn't know existed, Mm -hmm. but it's not to say that I never struggled. Now in my walk, it had pretty much been like, okay, something triggered me. Sometimes it's just me empathizing too much with the character on TV. Like I'm just that (laughs) sensitive. I'm reading a book and I'm just like, why do I feel like I want to die? Not literally. That (laughs) sounds concerning. No, I can't watch the news these days. Like I turn it on and I'm weeping in five minutes. Don't give me nonfiction. Oh yeah. But like even a character in some historical fiction yeah. book. He's not real. No, but I feel for them so deeply that it could put me off for yes. like a day or two, but then I'd be fine. But, and I can always identify what it was mm-hmm. when it was sitting there as like a week. And I, all I wanted like, what is it? was to go spend time with my family. But at the same time, I could not bring myself to leave my studio, to open the curtain and go Mm. be with my family because I so desperately wanted to be alone. And then I would sit there and be like, I feel so much guilt and shame for not going to my family when that's all I want, but I can't. And it was just, and I, and there was nothing I could point to. Mm -hmm. Everything was good. And I wasn't snapping out of it. And And emotions build on emotions that you then, like you were talking about, you feel guilt and shame about the depression and like emotions can just compound Mm -hmm. on each other. And then sometimes I think that keeps us from 
from telling anybody or stepping outside of it until someone's like, you all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when you just burst into tears. I've been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even know I'm not all right. I'm like, I'm totally right. Someone says, are you all right? And I start crying. I'm like, I guess not. Oh my gosh. I yes. guess. I did that at work one day with our engineer and he was like, I'm never asking her if she's all around again. He was like, Hey girl, how you doing? And I was like, Ooh. <laughs> I had a fight with my husband and the baby. And he was like, Oh my gosh, you have to go on the radio. And I just wasn't making conversation. He's very kind, but yeah. And I honestly, I have to say that having people ask me hard questions in that season of postpartum depression was really helpful. So I feel like now this is a really huge tip to anybody that you know who has a baby. Just like ask them hard questions, even if that's just like, are you okay? How are you doing? Like people always ask about baby, but how are you? And being like, yeah, I'm good. I'm ha-. okay. But like, are you, able, are you able to sleep? How's your anxiety? How's your sadness? Are you rebounding? How much are you crying? Like just if you are close enough with somebody, ask them those questions because they may not have told anybody or process that themselves and they need to like have somebody check in on them. And if they're doing great, awesome. Celebrate that with them. But I just, yeah, I had a girlfriend or two who had really good conversations with me that I needed. That's so good. And what it makes me think of in my life is like, am I giving the people around me permission to ask those hard questions? Because I think sometimes we can get defensive, Mm -hmm. especially as moms. And this is just literally me processing for myself out loud. Do I create an environment for the people that are close to me to where they know they can ask me those questions and I'm not going to be offended and I'm not going to get defensive and run away. And if I am in that moment that they know that that's not my normal and they can still come back and do it again. Like I think cultivating that trust. Yeah. That's hard girl. No, that's so true. And, um, I'm so new at all this. I don't really know how to can maintain really close girlfriends mm-hmm. and be a full-time working mom. I'm trying to, I said that to a girlfriend today. I'm trying to figure it out because to allow people to still be like that close and to ask you the hard questions, cause that's what you need. It's, it's a, a balancing act. That's not never going to be perfect. And it's going to look different. And I think there's a lot of peace that we have to make with ourselves and in ourselves that, you know what life is is going to be more joyful and more fulfilling in so many ways. But there are other things that I love that I I may have to let go or I at least might have to give some slack to and let trail a little bit further back. And Mm -hmm. like those friendships, that was a hard thing because it started, I suppose, when I got married, all of a sudden those friends that I was so tight with, no, we're not hanging out as much. I have a husband. It's just a different season. You don't have as much time. When we have kids, it's a different season. And I have those friends in my life that, we could go with out seeing each other for months and all of a sudden we see each other, no time's passed. And I value those so much. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that, those kind of changes contribute yeah. to the depression and the sense of just general overwhelmedness. Make that word too. It's fine. <laughs> that comes with being a new mom is yeah. life is so different. And just making yeah. our peace with that. I experienced a grieving process. I don't know if you did, and I didn't know if that was normal. I still don't know if it's normal, frankly, but I experienced it. And then I had a girlfriend who just had a baby two weeks ago be like, I don't know. I'm feeling like, like I'm sad that my life won't ever be the way it was before. Is that okay? And I was like, Oh my gosh, you had it too. So I just, I had, I think that's probably, I don't know, probably something that some women experience of grieving that you won't be able to have the same kind of friendships and things like that. But, and it doesn't take away from how wonderful this new mm-hmm. edition was. But like you were saying, you feel guilt over 
well, I shouldn't be sad. I shouldn't grieve that my husband and I can't do whatever we want anymore. We can't do anything impulsive. We can't go to the movies. I mean, it's just, it's a new season, but I think I'm learning. It's okay to be sad about that. And mourn it. And that was a message someone had given me once. It wasn't baby related. It was about my marriage, but there was just like an expectation that I had that by now things would be like this or this. And Mm. I felt so bad for having that expectation Mm -hmm. or for feeling bad. We feel so bad for feeling bad all the time. (laughs) And and they're just like, you know what? No, mourn it. It's okay to mourn what makes you sad, but just don't live there. Yeah. I had a conversation with one woman and she felt so guilty because she was saying, honestly, one of my biggest fears about having this baby is what it's going to do to my body. She, mm-hmm. she took good care of her body. She mm-hmm. prided herself in being attractive. Yeah. And she's just like, I, I'm sad to like that. I might have to let that part of me go yeah. and it might not be the same. And she felt so superficial and guilty that she would care that, you know, her boobs might not be as perky at the end of this or something. It's you know? like, and it's, a, it's something that's out of your control that never feels good when something about your person is completely out of your control. But she just never verbalized that to anyone because she just didn't want to let people know. Cause mm-hmm. it sounded so mm-hmm. superficial and bad, but the reality is it's real life. And there's probably other people that understand. I'm sure like, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you said, I, I, I felt lots of shame about it, but I, I'm realizing in this season that we don't grieve very well or very long about anything. And so maybe we need to take the time and it might pop back up. I'm sure next time I want to go on a date with my husband mm-hmm. and I can't, it'll pop back up and be like, okay, let's feel it. Let's deal with it. So uh, what would you say to that person though, who's listening and who's just in the thick of it mm-hmm. and they are drowning in that guilt and they're drowning, drowning in that shame. And the, shouldn't I be happy? What is my problem? No one would understand. I don't have anyone to talk to you. Like, what would you just leave that person with? I would say you're not crazy for one. Cause there were moments that I thought, am I going like insane because your, your mind just feels so different and you don't feel like yourself and that this is not forever. This Mm -hmm. is a season and ask for help from someone, anyone. And that's hard to do because you do have to admit that something's going on with you. And it's much easier. Like we talked about earlier to just push it aside and be like, I'm fine. And like, that's a bad F word. We are not allowed to say (laughs) that. If you find yourself saying I'm fine, like we know full well that, that you're not fine. So yeah, talk to your spouse, your best friend, your doctor, and making those calls is hard because you're taking care of a tiny human and you feel like I shouldn't even really be worrying about me. But I have learned in the recent months that if mama's okay, baby's okay. And if mama's not okay, baby doesn't have as much of a chance of being okay. So it actually is super important to prioritize your mental health, getting back in a better state and knowing that it can, and it will. Mm. I love that. Thank you, Joy. Thank you so much for for everything, for your perspective, for your honesty, for your vulnerability, Thanks, for the girl. cute little baby you brought into this world to make oh, this world that much better. Gosh. Thank you. Thank God he's so cute or what would I have done? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you again Thanks, for being Summer. Here. Have you ever been in that place where you have questions that you're afraid to ask? You have feelings that you're afraid to own. You need help that you're afraid to get. And so have the rest of us. And I want you to hear that. It's like, you're not alone. Let, let me repeat that for everyone in the back. You know, you are not alone in what you're feeling. Now, maybe you have felt and experienced what Joy and I were talking about. Maybe your experience is very different from ours. 
I promise you're not the first person to have been there. You're not the first person to have experienced that. And stepping up and owning your journey while you're on it could be the healing that you're looking for and the healing that somebody else is looking for. So that's one thing I love about Joy. I hope you loved that about her too, is that honesty, that willingness to admit that I don't know. I'm not okay. And that's okay. I hope you were blessed by today. I know I had so much fun in that conversation. I hope you did too. Uh, We are in this together, right? And so if you want to connect more, if you want to be a part of a community of others who are just as lost as you are, find us on Facebook. Search for No Seriously. How do I do this? Because we need to stick together. We're going to make it together. And if you have anything specific on your heart that you want to share, if you want to talk through, man, send me an email. Summer at seriouslyhow.com. And if you have not already subscribed or rated this podcast, would you please do that? It'll help other people find that community that they might be looking for. But as always, friend, hear me. You are loved and you are not alone.